Welcome. You are listening to the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. We take on topics involving marriage, ministry, parenting, communication, relationships, and other subjects that our listeners want to hear more about. Friends, welcome to another Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. I am your host today, Callie Picardo, and I am so excited. Today I have with me Olu Brown, who is an incredible pastor, preacher, teacher, leader, coach, consultant, author, and family man as well. I feel like, Olu, you do it all. Um, but he is the founder of Impact Church that started in 2007 and is now reaching thousands of people every week in the Atlanta metro, Atlanta metro area, but also online around the world. And he retired this summer because um, God has him in the season now where he's doing coaching and consulting and writing full time. Olu, we are so excited to have you here today. Welcome to the Better Together podcast. Well, Callie, thank you. Uh, it is a blessing to be here. And I appreciate you and Ross for your leadership in the local church and beyond, and uh, such a joy to be one of your guests. Oh, well, glad you are here with us. And friends, we, Olu has a lot of books out right now. <laughs> um, I know you've got a new one, Olu, about um, Next, about Impact yes. Next, right? What's the, what, remind yeah. me the name of the new one. It's about post-COVID so leadership. Yeah, it's about post-COVID leadership entitled Normalizing Next. There's a book and a guidebook to it. And it's written for lay and clergy persons. Um, our website, Olu Brown, O-L-U-B-R-O-W-N.com. Uh, the resources there. But I really wrote it as a fellow practitioner wanting to give information and inspiration. So it covers things such as vision casting and leadership, technology, uh, organizing your uh, church structure, worship um, and preaching, and also uh, raising money, generosity. <laughs> And it speaks to a post-COVID-19 culture, and it's a great supplement that we've been using across the country with churches and church leaders, both clergy and lay, in some really unique work, unique ways, and we've been getting some great testimonies. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful and so needed. We need just sometimes even the practical <clears throat> how-tos as we are figuring yes. our way forward. And you've also written this other book, though, that's going to be the focus of our conversation today, and it's yeah. called Hope an Advent mm. journey that, and you have an updated version, I know for Advent yes. of 2022. Um, Olu, why, why'd you focus in on hope? But I know we at Advent, it's one of the four kind of, you know, got peace, hope, joy, and love, but why, why hope? <clears throat> you know, I think when I uh, reflect over my entire ministry, some would say, Olu, vision has been very important to you. And I think that's what I've shared and helped to lead with. But as a foundation, it's always been about hope and offering hope and being a source of hope and receiving hope myself. Um, and so when we think about Advent, <clears throat> the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into a world um, that is chaotic and oftentimes it feels upside down, there can be no greater form or sign of hope than the birth of our Lord and Savior. Uh, Jesus Christ. So 
the foundation of all that I do is hope. And I believe that's also what Jesus is about. And we also as believers should be about as well. I know it's what we're supposed to be about. And I know I've got this hope, but oh, some days I don't feel it. Some days I struggle to get there. How do you personally get to that place of deep hope? Like, do you have some practices in your life or some things that you do that are kind of hope cultivators in your life? You know, I know folks who listen to this podcast are um, clergy and lay, but in particular, um, clergy persons, you can be so um, engrossed in your work that you actually forget about your own relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You preach and teach about God, but sometimes you can neglect your own relationship. And so what I found as a practice for me when I was pastoring and now even post-pastoring is being attentive to my devotional life and my own relationship with God. So um, reading the Bible and praying and journaling and um, even having different scriptures or uh, sayings that I repeat um, often to myself that are forms of hope. One of the prayers that I say often and in particular every day and sometimes multiple times a day is a Thomas Merton prayer. And it just reminds me that even when I feel lost and when I feel alone, that God hasn't forsaken me and uh, God is still with me and I'm trusting. And so for me, practices of hope um, come through reading, prayer, and then also community. And community looks different for everyone. Some it's digital community, some it's physical community. It's a number of different things, but also being around people who emphasize hope in their lives. It transfers some way uh, into my own life and our lives together. Are there some things that you avoid that tend to yeah. draw the hope, <clears throat> suck the hope out of you? Yeah, sometimes certain people, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, you know, in, in life, it can be co-workers at times. It can be even family and friends at times. And it doesn't mean they're bad people. We all just have difficult days. And how do we navigate those situations in community? And it is okay uh, to be in community and be fully there and present. And then sometimes it's okay to retreat from community so that you can recharge and be revived and refreshed in the ways that speak to you. Um, There are also so many media streams. Um, I overheard a conversation at exercise this morning, a person who is really just taking some time away from social media. And it's not that social media is bad, but for this person, it perhaps have become an overload in their life. You know, this podcast right now is a blessing to the world. And so it's not about uh, doing away with media, but it is about how do we uh, focus in on the media that really revives our soul and it speaks to us and feeds us much like this podcast and others. So being selective as it relates to media, whatever platform it it is, um, and just knowing that all media all the time doesn't always give hope in life. I know that's been true for me. I have to sometimes be like, oh, I've been on Facebook scrolling yeah. for too many minutes. I would just yeah, hop yeah. on quickly and now I've gotten <laughs> sucked in yeah, and I'm sucked missing in. the life that's happening right in front of yeah. me. Or sometimes I, if I can step back and um, engage in it with God, that helps me where I'm like, oh, I just want to check yeah. up on people. Well, Am I just uh, snooping and browsing yeah. and uh, making yeah, judgments yeah. as I go? Yeah, or am I actually about? stopping mm-hmm. and saying, oh, God, thank you for that person. And, you know, mm-hmm. you can have a prayerful encounter with social media or you mm-hmm. can have a 
I'm just zoning out. I'm just yeah. I'm judging as I go. And um, yeah. I know for me, sometimes yeah. it can be a distraction, distraction too, especially if I've got our little kids in front of us that we're like, mm-hmm. oh, I should be hanging mm-hmm. out with them instead of yeah. paying attention yeah. to my phone. It's become yeah. a distraction Strange. from the mm-hmm. joy in front of me. Yeah. That's good. And really, you know, I, I uh, go out to eat, you know, as uh, most people do. And it's always funny to just kind of scan the restaurant and it can be, Families there. It can be someone you can tell they're out on a date, any number of things. And just to watch how uh, little engagement happens sometimes in public square uh, and everybody's on their phone, you know, and it's not a negative necessarily, but we do wonder how much time is taken away from being connected to each other um, by looking into each other's eyes, sharing words and just being present. Um, as opposed to um, being engaged in our own world. And sometimes that happens a lot through our phones, but um, we just never know what source of hope we are to other people. And the only way we can do that is really by being present. I love that because God might have a little mini assignment for us one day where we're we're present and we're paying attention to the people around us. There might be a way God even wants to use us with, a stranger, you know, yes. that we're interacting with. Yes. I, I'm Southern. So we, we talk to people in the grocery store line yeah. and my husband's like, who are you? T- what? You don't know. Who you yeah. are. You're talking to that person. I'm like, just being friendly. You know, they might need a smile today and who knows how God might want to use that. I'm from the South as well. And you never meet a stranger. So <laughs> <laughs> it's constantly, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Have a good day. How how about with your family? Are there some practices that what you do with your family to just uh, together encourage one another in this journey of hope? Yeah, I'm learning more so as a as a father. You know, I've got um, two. One is 17 and uh, preparing to go to college, and the other is uh, 11, preparing to go to the sixth grade. One of the greatest blessings, and I've had to learn the hard way over the years, is by being present as a practice. And whenever I'm present, it doesn't force the agenda or the direction or the moment, but much like uh, water flowing, it takes on the shape and the direction of the current or whatever canal it's traveling through. And those have just been some hard lessons for me, even, you know, as a leader and as a friend, um, one of the blessings that I got over COVID is to get my coaching certification. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've said often, I, I really should have worked in that area earlier in my career. I would have been a much better pastor, a much better friend, a much better father, a much better leader, because coaching um, begins with the question, not the answer. And whenever we can come to situations with people with questions, Brene Brown would say being curious, mm-hmm. it always opens up. Uh, the power of presence. And so those are some of the things that I've learned over the years and over time. And as people hopefully listening to me, when you, you know, tune in, um, I hope you don't hear that that it is something that is perfected. It is a work in progress. And it's not something that I went to a course and, you know, four or five hours later, I left, you know, as a subject matter expert, it's been a lot of difficult as we would say, conversations. Um, and that's not to, you know, lift up another book, but a book I, I wrote uh, some years ago 
was uh, about Moses um, in, in, in Numbers 32. We always assume all 12 tribes made it into the promise. Hmm. But two tribes, um, almost to the promised land, they asked Moses, hey, can we stay? And it's the Reubenites and the Gadites. And so when you celebrate the book of Joshua with all this courage and taking over Jericho, there's a section at the end of Joshua. Moses is dead and he goes to the two tribes and say, hey, you, you fulfilled the promise. You, you helped us get here. Now you can go back. <clears throat> and so we often have these difficult conversations as leaders. And Moses, I'm sure, questioned his vision to say, God, why is it that this vision is so great and everybody doesn't want it? And so I think the lessons I've learned, you've learned, we've all learned, Roz has learned as leaders, this are these difficult moments with family and children and friends and spouses and, and significant others and all of these folks who mean so much in our lives. But like Moses and, and Joshua and all of the wonderful sheroes and heroes of the Bible, we emerge um, one with hope, you know, and that's about the Advent um, book we're talking about today. But we also emerge uh, stronger and wiser and better and um, more capable, you know, in some sense to lead and be present in, uh, in every situation. You know, it's interesting you name um, some of the hard <coughs> conversations they had to have mm-hmm. and some of the hard situations. And I think it's easy for us in our culture that's averse to pain. Mm to just run from those and think, well, there cannot be hope in the bad. There can't be hope in the hard. And we forget that the source of our Mm -hmm. hope is a Jesus, that a Lord who went to the cross, he went through the pain. And I mean, how do you Mm -hmm. find hope in those hard places, in the hard relationships and the hard conversations that it it could be easier just to say, forget them. I'm cancel culture. We're just going to, we're going to, cancel that person out of our lives when really there might be something even greater going through those hard conversations and situations. Yeah. You know, this past weekend, I had an opportunity to speak at a local church that was using the book, Hope and Advent Journey. And our focus was on uh, chapter four, possibility for new life in Christ. I I just want to read something to you that I think speaks to your question. Uh, very familiar text, Luke chapter two, verse 10 through 11. You know, the shepherds are in the middle of nowhere and uh, suddenly an angel appears. And the first thing the angel says is, don't be afraid, uh, exclamation mark. <laughs> and then one other word, look, exclamation mark. And mm-hmm. so I think we always focus in on the good news and it is good and great news, but we can overlook the phrase that was given before the good news. And that was, mm-hmm. don't be afraid. Look, And, you know, you talk about uh, going through the pain and you talk about going through these difficult moments and conversations. <clears throat> we often forget, you know, shepherds were not held in high esteem. Yeah. Um, they were the outliers and the marginalized. And so God chooses uh, people we often wouldn't choose um, to share some of the greatest news you can ever imagine. And so I think the angel had to preface the good news with encouraging them so they didn't disqualify themselves because that was a hard conversation between an angel and an ordinary common, um, often overlooked individual. And so I think the model of Jesus's birth helps us to have these painful, difficult um, transitions, changes, conversations. And I think how we make it through those is the way the angel modeled it by approaching people with 
humility and vulnerability to say, look, I'm going to tell you some stuff that is probably going to, you know, have you feeling <laughs> as if, you know, you've lost your mind. But the first thing I want you to do is to look. I mean, the first thing I want you to do is don't be afraid. Um, it's going to be okay. <clears throat> and and then this word look, we we can overlook that because we think it's physical. But I, I think it's much deeper than that. It's about being open um, emotionally, um, spiritually, mentally, because sometimes the trauma of life, the pain of life, the change of life can cause us to shut down in a lot of different ways. And I believe for me, the hope of Advent is what does it mean to be open again, to see again, to believe again, to journey again? You know, these last two and a half years um, have just been painful and still are for so many people. When you think about the number of uh, family members who have transitioned from earth to glory, uh, some through COVID, you know, um, this weekend, a gentleman, 47 years old, was taking a run and uh, had a massive heart attack and passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you and, and Rise as leaders and pastors, you, you have so many of those kind of stories they can fill books with. And we all are very familiar with that, sadly to say, because pain and um, whatever form it's in, uh, none of us are immune to. But the good news is Jesus is born. But we must preface that good news with, don't be afraid, stay open. Yeah. You never know what God might want to do. And I know there are a lot of people going into Christmas just with a little bit of dread, a little bit of fear, a little reluctancy, um, whether that's grief Mm -hmm. of loss of loved ones, whether it's just the stress and anxiety of the season, whether it's the credit card statement that they know is coming (laughs) after this month, whether Mm -hmm. it's the... um, the relationships that are strained in families mm-hmm. that they're like, oh gosh, that person's going to be at Christmas and I've got to, I can't avoid them unless I just don't go completely. Yeah. And it's like, well, what might yeah. God want to do? What yeah. might God, because we have a God that does do miracles, that does say, don't mm-hmm. be afraid, that does say, hey, I'm with you. I know this is going to be hard, but you're not going through it alone. You're not going alone. Doesn't mean you shouldn't pray about that situation going into it. Because sometimes yeah. in prayer too, I know God has said, um, Callie, here's something I need to do in your own heart to get you ready going into that situation too. Yeah. Yep. Callie, I'll offer you a, another side of that uh, same coin is there are things that we're afraid to face because of the pain. But there are also things we're afraid to face because things may work out. Ooh, that's and I good. think about, yeah, I think about my own life and others I'm in close relationship, how prone we are to default to failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about less than 30 days left in 2022. Some people are afraid that 2023 can be the best year ever. Mm-hmm. It can be the year when they try again, love again, believe again, get a raise, whatever it is. The church takes on a whole new meaning and a whole different trajectory. We've been so protective um, and we've been so used to pain and we've been so used to things not working out uh, where perhaps the question needs to shift over the next few weeks as we go into next year from what if it fails to what if it works? Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but I've spent so much energy on what if it doesn't work and it always works out. It doesn't always work out the way I think, but it always does. And so... Advent is also about things working. Yeah. Um, 
not always perfectly or, you know, having a suite for a baby to be born in and one of the Hilton properties, but, <laughs> you know, a manger will do just fine. And it turns out to be one of the greatest scenes in all of eternity. And so I think the story of Advent also teaches us to focus on joy, of mm-hmm. course, um, hope, of course, but also it works out in the end. That's the real story for me of Jesus's life. In the end, it works. Yeah. And, uh, and as believers in Jesus Christ, how do we live in such a way in the middle where we have hope to know it's going to work out? And for me, I think that's what it means to be a witness of Jesus Christ for so many people who give up in a lot of different ways and, and really good reason to give up. So no judgment there. But what does it mean to be a believer, to walk with someone in the middle, to encourage them to know, um, I know you can't see it, but we know how this book ends and it, and it ends with victory. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's such a good word. And I think you're right. A lot of us do, we we plan for failure. We plan for all the things that could go wrong instead of saying, this really just might work. God might really want to do something big. And, you know, I don't think God could use me, but you know, what if God could use me Mm -hmm. and could do that in my own life? And I think someone Mm -hmm. needs to hear that today. So thank you for naming that. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> it's all well, a work any, in progress. For any us. closing thoughts for us? And if there's nothing immediately yeah. on your mind, also please tell us where we can get these resources because I think yeah, there's some folks yeah. out there that need to hear about that. Well, my hope is that very word that you will continue to be hopeful, even when the signs and the evidence doesn't necessarily uh, reveal hope, but to know that God is always present. And we know this through, of course, the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, I love the Gospel of Matthew, although what I quoted earlier was Luke 2. But if you think about the way the Gospel of Matthew is built at the beginning, it starts with Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then around the middle, chapter 11, it talks about, come unto me all who will labor in heavy laden, and, and I'll give you rest. And then at the end, the very last chapter says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so this Advent, as we look to the Gospels, in particular Matthew, um, God reveals, I'm with you in the beginning, I'm with you in the middle, and I'll be with you in the end. There's no place in life where you can't uh, be known, heard, seen, or loved by me. Oh, amen. Amen. What a good reminder for all of us. Thank you for that. (laughs) Well, and Callie, uh, go to olubrown, O-L-U-B-R-O-W-N.com, and you can find all of the resources and different trainings and coach-ups and consults that we do in the book resources. And also, you can also follow me on social media. Oh, wonderful. Well, Ola, thank you for joining us today. What <laughs> a blessing. You. Friends, thanks for listening. And I just invite you to share this with someone who needs a little bit of hope today, a little bit of a reminder that God might just have something incredible in store. And I know it because I know that's who God is and God loves you. And he promises to be with you as Ola shared with us in the beginning, in the middle and to the very end. So in the meantime, remember we are better together. God bless.